The following is a special presentation from Pastor Joanne Ramsey and Speak the Word Ministries. We trust God's Word will bless you as you listen to this message. Here's Pastor Joe. As I was seeking the Lord for a rainbow word for today, you know, I was sitting at my uh, computer and I was saying, Lord, I, I just thank you so much for the Logos word. You know, God's word is Logos. And I said, Lord, I thank you for the Logos word, but what I need is a rhema word. I need a rhema word. A rhema word is a rhema word right straight from the throne. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a word of a revelation, you know. And I said, the people that's going to be hearing this word, they need a rhema word. And so I just pray that you'll give me a rhema word. And, and I believe that the Lord has given me a rhema word for today. And, uh, and as he was giving me the rhema word for today, he brought these parables to my mind. And throughout the New Testament, we know that Jesus talked about, he told many parables. And this afternoon, I'd like to focus on uh, uh, several of these parables. Uh, but you know, uh, out of all the parables that Jesus uh, told, uh, he, it, the, the parable that he mentioned the most was the parable of the sower. He mentioned that. As a matter of fact, he mentioned it three times more than he did any of the other parables. As a matter of fact, there was over 55 verses in Matthew, Mark, and Luke talking about the parable of the sower. So it, apparently it must have been really important for him. It, it, it's, it's a subject that I'm, I'm sure that gets taught on periodically. Uh, but I do believe that the Lord has given me a revelation uh, on a different approach to that parable. And we're going to get in that a little bit later on in the message. Uh, Jesus says it was important to understand this particular parable. Maybe that's the reason why there's so many verses on it. Maybe that's why he chose to mention it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke and, and give it, you know, all this attention. Because he says if you don't understand this parable, then how can you understand any of the other parables? So I, I pray today, if you have an ear, hear what he says, because the Bible says there are those that, does, that do not hear. He, says they hear, he, hear. he said they do not hear because their hearts have been hardened. You know, but I don't believe your heart's been hardened. I believe that you're here because you're seeking the Lord and you're seeking a word from him today. And so I, I'm just, uh, it just uh, like I said, it's a privilege to be here. He said in order to understand all the other parables, you have to do that. In other words, if you want to understand the other parables, you first must understand the parable of the sower first. In Mark 4.13, New King James, it says, The sower sows the word. And Jesus tells us of all the places that the seed is sown. And as I said, we're going to be speaking and covering some of those places to where the seed is sown a little further on in the message. I believe one of the parables that Jesus used to... Uh, to talk about the kingdom was he was was talking one of the parables was the hidden treasure i believe that god's word is like finding the hidden treasure i consider myself a new christian uh, and I've, I've been a christian for about 24 25 years i still consider myself new i was really up in age when i accepted the lord and and when i when i found the lord i i know it, it doesn't sound like the truth but i know it's the truth when i when i when i got born again i had an experience with god and when I had that experience with God, everything changed, everything. You know, I knew that day. I did not know anything much about the Word, even though I'd been going to church off and on all my life. I knew nothing much about the Word of God. And that Sunday in the Assembly of God Church in Hampton, Virginia, back in the 1992, I think it was, that He came into my life, and I knew that my life would never be the same anymore. 
And I knew that I didn't know why, but I just knew it wasn't ever going to be the same anymore, that, that there, something had changed in my life. And, and at that time, I owned a couple of businesses, um, but I was a very worldly person. I mean, you know, I mean, really very worldly into everything. You know, I had to be a member of everything. I had to be a part of everything. And I was always on the go, you know. I had my furs and my diamonds, you know. I mean, I was really into it. And driving my Lincolns, you know, I was really into it. But the moment, the very day, that Sunday, that my life, that I had that experience with Jesus, I could relate to the people in Acts because I, things began to change. The things that was, were of an importance to me were no longer important to me. And I began to give away things, and I began to get rid of things, and sell things, and use the money to buy Bibles and various things for people. And, and a year or so later, he called me into the ministry, which most of you know that have listened to my program. I pray that some of you heard them. We're on about 130 stations now across the country, so hopefully somebody listens to them. And I, well, I know they do, because I get emails and things every day. But it just changed everything in my life just turned around and, and to me when I was when I saw this about you know the hidden treasure I, I believe that the Word of God is like the hidden treasure because when I found the Word of God everything else in my life changed it was the Word of God that set me free the Bible says that you will know the truth and the truth will make you free it will set you true it's not the word that you hear but it's the word that you know you know you can read the word and not know the word but it's the word that you get that's going to set you free. And it says in Matthew 13, 44, he says again, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. I, I believe that the field represents the world, and the man, I believe, is Jesus. Saints, I don't believe that Jesus is telling us that we have to give everything away. He is not saying that we need to renounce all our possessions to obtain life with God. But Jesus urges us to make the kingdom of God our highest priority in Matthew 6.33. When earthly possessions or ambition becomes more important to you than your commitment to follow Jesus, then Jesus can no longer be the Lord of your life. When you put more emphasis on the things of this world then Jesus no longer has first place in your life. And that's where he wants to be. He wants to be at the top of your list. He wants to be number one. He don't want to be number two. He don't want to be somebody that just, you, you just talk to when you need something or somebody that you come to visit on Sunday. He wants a, a relationship with you. Amen. Are you hearing me? He says, for the Lord says in Matthew 6, he says to seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything that you need. The Lord gives me everything I need. As a matter of fact, the Lord gives me an abundance. And that's what Jesus said in John 10, 10. He come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. But Satan, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I believe that when you get the Word of God in you, that Satan cannot come in and steal anything away from you because you won't let him. Because you have power over him. Are you hearing me? Saints, I believe that we're called to speak and demonstrate God's, word, uh, God's heart to the world. And there's not a better time, I don't think, to do this than at Christmas time. As we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
Praise the Lord. I don't think that today that I'm going to be teaching on any scriptures that most of you haven't already heard. However, I pray today that God will give you a new revelation of His Word today because without an understanding of His Word, you'll have no faith. Because faith comes from hearing and hearing coming from the Word of God according to Romans 10, 17. Saints, as you speak and confess His Word, you are building a solid foundation in Him. And then and only then will you have the faith for everything else that you need. As a matter of fact, last Sunday I did a message I preached over at Cape Henry. Uh, it was called Mustard Seed of Faith. So I, I preached on that parable. But the Lord gave me this parable today. And, and, and all week I'm thinking, Lord, you said if we just have the faith the size of a mustard seed, that's all we need. And, you know, as, as I told the congregation last Sunday, a mustard seed is, so, is not the smallest, but it's one of the smallest seeds. It's only one sixty-fourth of an inch in size, if you can only imagine how small it really is. So small you can barely see it. But it's still enough faith. There's nothing too big or too, too far out that, that that little bit of faith can't get you. Just a, just a faith of a mustard seed. The scriptures teach us that you should consider the cost according to Luke 14, 28 before you decide to build to make sure that you have enough to complete your project. Today, I'd like to teach on a different kind of foundation. I want to teach on a foundation that we build with our words. And before I begin, I'd like to share this scripture with you. In James chapter 3, verse 1 in NIV, it says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Saints, I consider it an honor and a privilege, as I said before, to have been chosen by God to teach His Word, and I do not stand up here and take it lightly. The Lord has anointed me and called me along with many, many others to train up His soldiers for these end days. So therefore, I strive to only give utterance to what he places in my spirit. And I believe the message that he's given me today is a message that he's placed in my spirit. So I pray that God will give me the utterance today to speak only as the Holy Spirit leads. As I was putting this message together, the Lord brought back to my remembrance what it's like in the natural to be a farmer that sows his seed. And he brought back to my remembrance all the preparation that has to take place in order for his seed to bring a good harvest. Saints, I grew up on a farm when I was very young, so I might be able to understand this parable maybe a little bit more than some. However, my prayer is, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I pray that I'll be able to teach it in such a way today that will give you a clear understanding of what Jesus is talking about when he was teaching on the parable. Because as you know, that most of, I'm sure that most of you have read the, uh, the parable of the sower and when he first told it, the disciples didn't understand what he was talking about. So when everybody else has left, the disciples pulled him over to the side and said, exactly what you mean. You know, what are you talking about? We didn't understand what you're saying. Well, when the Lord called me into the ministry to be a teacher, he told me to teach it in a plain and simple way. And that's the way you're going to get it today. You're going to get it in a plain and simple way. So there's no doubt in my mind what you're not going to understand it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. As, as I read in Luke 4, 28, the words, consider the cost, jumped off the page at me. The Lord revealed to me that we have to consider the cost of the foundation that we're building every day with every word that comes from our mouth. Saints, you are in a war 
whether you choose to believe it or not, and it's a spiritual battle, and the only weapon that can be used to fight this war is the Word of God. Not armor tanks, not bombs, not guns, but the Word of God only. And that's why I teach so much on the Word, because this is what the Lord has called me to do, to teach on the importance of the Word and how the Word really is your weapon and the only weapon that you have, but it's the only weapon that you need. God loves you so much, and He wants you to win your battles over the sickness in your body. He wants you to have victory in your finances over your fears of the things going on in the world today. There's so much going on in the world today that there's so many people that just living in constant fear every day. And I could understand that if you were a person that watches the news a lot, personally, I don't watch the news or read the newspapers only because the Lord instructed me at the very beginning of my ministry not to watch the news and read the newspapers. He said it would interfere with my faith. And so I, to this day, I don't, he never, he never come back and said, that was when I had the prison ministry for 11 years. But even since I don't have it anymore, he still hasn't told me anything different. So my belief is when God tells you something, do what he told you to do and keep doing it until he changes his mind. If he doesn't tell you anything different, just keep on doing what he told you to do the last time. So I don't watch it, but I know people that do watch feed on it all the time. And so because they, live, they feed on the news all the time, they're in constant fear all the time. And, and their conversations are all about fear and, and all about doubt. And, and you can't carry on a conversation about fear and doubt and have faith at the same time. Amen. You know, one, one counsels out the other. So we have to choose who we're going to listen to. We're going to listen to what the world has to say or we're going to listen to what God has to say. And are we going to talk, we're going to carry on a conversation with him and talk about what he says. As a matter of fact, I think in the scriptures, as a matter of fact, I know in the scriptures it says don't focus on the things below but to focus on the things above. But in order to accomplish this, you first have to learn how to speak God's language. You have to speak his word. And I cannot stand up here today and express strong enough how important your speaking God's word is, how important it is for you to speak his language. You know, saints, here in America, most of us speak English. Some of you here today might speak another language. As a matter of fact, some of you that's listening online today or in here in the congregation might speak several different languages. But my point is, if someone comes up to you speaking French, or another language that you aren't familiar with, then you cannot understand what that person's saying because you haven't been taught their language. You know, I've lived in other countries, and I know firsthand that it's difficult to talk to someone that doesn't speak your language. As a matter of fact, when I was over there, you know, you didn't even know what the, the word for bathroom was for a female. You know, because different countries have different names for the male and female. And so you, you, you do, you know, you just do a lot of guessing and you do a lot of talking with your hands and, and making motions because you can't understand. But we don't want that. We, we want to be able to understand God's language. We want, and the only way that we can do that is by getting in the Word and meditating on His Word. Praise the Lord. You need to know that God's Word is His language saints. And I know I use the word saints a lot. As a matter of fact, somebody mentioned that to me Saturday night at, um, was that? No, Friday night at my husband's company party. Um, said that they read my verses that I post on the website on Facebook every week. I post a new one every Monday. And so I use the word saints a lot. And I, I said, well, uh, well, that's what we are. The Bible says he calls us saints. And he says we're kings and priests and saints. All saints means is holy ones. 
you know. So if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're a saint. And, and so how else would I address you as your holy ones? So I, I choose to use the word saints a lot. Amen. But if you want to hear him, you must, if you want to hear from God, you must speak his language. Okay? First John 5, 14, the envive says, according to his will. In other words, according to God's will means that it's according to his word. It's according to his language. It's not according to your word or your will or what you want or what your needs are, but it's according to his will. You have to build your foundation on his word. Today, we're going to talk about the wise and the foolish builders in Matthew 7, 24 and Luke 6, 48 and 49. As a matter of fact, that's the title of my message today, The Wise and Foolish Builders. In Matthew 7, 24, in the message translation, I really, I know there's lots of translations, but I, I really uh, particularly like the translation uh, on this verse in the message translation. It says, these words I speak to you, are not incidental additions to your life, home improvements, to your standard of living. He says there are foundational words, words, words to build your life on. He says if you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on a solid rock. He said the rains poured down, the river flooded, and a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. Hallelujah. It was fixed on the solid rock. Hallelujah. In verse 26, he says, But if you just use my words in Bible studies and you don't work them into your life, he said, you're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. You don't want to be that builder. Because when the storm rolled in and the waves came up, that house collapsed, the Bible says, like a house of cards. It just down. The parable of the sower in Mark 4.13, New King James, teaches that the gospel won't be equally received by everyone. As a matter of fact, we know that because he gives three incidences and in three ways that the seed is sown and he's referring to different types of people. He's referring to the way that different people hear the word and receive the word and understand the word. So he's saying that, so therefore everybody won't be, everybody won't equally receive it won't be equally received by everyone because at least three things can and most likely will interfere. One of the things that's going to interfere is sinful opposition. That's going to interfere. There's outside persecution and the cares and the worries and the attractions of the world and all of these things, he said, will interfere. But, you know, I always like the word but because but negates everything that came before it. Don't forget that. The word but in about, but anywhere. Every, it negates everything that came before it. So it negates the cares, the worries, and attractions of the world and all these that interfere. He said, if, if the word does take root, according to Jesus, it will produce a fruitful life. So if it takes root, as a matter of fact, if is not, the only time the if is used in the Bible, you know, it's not when you pray or whatever, but the only time God uses the word if in the Bible is it's always with a condition of obedience. Amen. If you'll do this and be obedient about that, then I'll do this. Otherwise, if is not in his plan for you. You know, in other words, you don't have to pray, Lord, if it be your, your will for me to get this job 
or if it's your will to heal me, or if it's this, that, you don't have, you know, if it's not in there. Because all of that is his will. That's part, that's part of him. As I was working on this message, the Lord brought this children's story back, about, uh, back to me. It was called The Three Little Pigs. Have you ever heard about The Three Little Pigs? <laughs> I used this analogy many, many years ago, teaching on building a foundation, and he wanted me to use this analogy again today to help you to remember the importance of being a wise carpenter, a wise builder. We know that unless God builds the foundation, that it won't stand. In Psalms 127.1 in the English Standard Version says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build labor in vain. Saints, I love verse 2. I threw that in. It says, It's useless for you to work from early morning until late at night just to get food to eat. He said, Because God provides for those He loves even while they sleep. Isn't that good news? Don't have to just toil all day and all night. He said, because God provides for those that he loves while you sleep. Hallelujah. You might want to write that down. That verse, that will you find that in uh, Psalms 127 verse 2. We also know that his word is the foundation and Jesus is the rock that it has to be built on. So it's kind of like the three little pigs. Or we're going to call them today the three brothers. Okay. One brother was wise and the other two were not so wise. The first pig, or let's say the first brother, who built his house with straw is like the man or woman in Mark 4.15 who comes into the word and hears the word. And the seed is sown, but it falls on rocks and gravel and only a few of the seed come up. In other words, they didn't get enough for a foundation, so when the winds came... The winds come, the troubles come, and when the fears of the worlds come upon you, Satan comes in like a wolf, a huffing and a puffing, like a roaring lion. And they have nothing to fight with, saints. They have no defense. They have no ammunition, nothing to hold them off with. You know, 1 Peter 5, 8 says that, that you need to be alert at all times because your enemy, the devil, he roams around like a roaring lion looking for those that he might devour. And you don't want to be on his list. You don't want to be on the list of the one that he's looking for to devour. Are you hearing me? Amen. Hallelujah. But the second pig, the second brother, who built his house with sticks is like the one sown among the thorns who hears the word. But then the cares and the anxieties of the world come and choke and suffocate the word. This brother, he did just a little bit better than the first brother, but he still didn't get enough of the word to have any real root in him either. He had a little bit more root in him than the first brother, but not much. He still didn't have anything to fight off the sicknesses, and the diseases that Satan brought on his body and, and, and the attacks that Satan brought on his family. He had no word to stand on. When Satan came and destroyed his family and wiped out his finances, and when Satan came and destroyed his health, he had nothing at all to stand on. The Bible says this man's house immediately collapsed and fell, and the breaking and the ruin of this house, he says, was great. Then we have pig number three, or brother number three, this brother was a wise one, the Bible says. He used brick 
to build his house. It says the brick represents a solid foundation like the wise brother who sowed in good soil. You know, I think about this 100-year-old tree that was at my house down in North Carolina back in the 90s when I was living in this really old house. And the first year we were there, we had this um, really severe hurricane and it had been raining for days and it was a really severe storm and uh, it, it just lasted for days. But I remember the, the worst part of it, it came that day and night that I sat in my dining room and there was a big tree, you know, outside my dining room window. And I could watch that tree and it would just bend, you know, the wind would bring it way over, you know, and it'd come back up again. It'd been way over. I mean, I'm talking a huge, you've seen these huge, huge trees. And it would just bend, the wind would bring it back up. But you know, it stood. It stood. It, it, it never, you know, its roots were deep. Those, that tree had been there for over 100 years. And it was planted deep. But there was another one in my backyard that wasn't planted so deep. And it went, and that's basically what God is saying. You have to have root, root in the word of God in order to stand on anything. You know, when the enemy is putting sickness in, on your bodies or, where he's, or he's coming against your finances or when he's trying to steal your children away from you or whatever he's doing, it's like he took my, uh, one of my grandsons a few weeks ago. You know, when he comes against you, you have to have something to stand on. Maybe you can't prevent everything. But he can help you to stand. It's like my husband was saying today. He's got a lot of things going on, at, at particular things at, at work. But he says that he has a, a just tremendous amount of peace. He went, in, he went into his prayer closet and he sought the Lord. And he was seeking the Lord. And the Holy Spirit just shows up. And so even though nothing else around him has changed, he has that peace that surpasses all understanding. You know, that's what the Bible tells us, isn't it? He says, you know, it, that, he, if, that he has a peace, you know, that surpasses all understanding. You know, and his peace can mount garrison over you and protect you. Even in the midst of the storm, even when the storm's going on, he can protect you. But that tree, you know, I, I was thinking about that when I was writing this. It just stood there. The Bible says, the one who hears the word and receives and accepts and welcomes it and listens to God's word and does them, this is what he is like. It says in Luke 6, 48, he said, He is like a man building a house who dug and went down deep and laid a foundation upon the rock. And when the flood arose, the torrent broke against that house and could not shake it and it couldn't move it because it was built on a secure, it was securely built on a foundation that was founded on the rock. No matter what came against that house, he said, no matter how you build a house, if the foundation is not solid, he says, it will not stand, no matter how small or how large the house is. But we know that Jesus Christ is our rock and anything built on less will not stand. Anything less is nothing but sinking sand. It's not going to stand. You know, I recall... Uh, when David and I first got married, we, he, he lived in a different house. It was a house that they had built, and, uh, and it was a two-story house. It was a pretty good-sized house. I don't know how many months or a year or whatever they lived in the house, but the house began to start shifting. And I, I said, did it lean? I said, 
that it was shifting. And he said he couldn't figure out what was going on, you know. So he was measuring here and measuring there and praying and trying to figure out, well, what's going on with my house, you know. And, and he said on Christmas Eve, I guess the Lord revealed to him what was wrong. It was a foundation. So at Christmas Eve, they're tearing a hole in the ceiling. <laughs> and they're having to get somebody over to prop the house up. They had to prop it back up and get up in there and, and fill it up and put more props and more things up under there to make it firm because if it hadn't, the house would have caved in. It would have fallen. You know, so it's not only, so building on a firm foundation not only is about the, uh, building your house on the Word of God, you know, for your relationship with the Lord, but it's like in the natural. It's the same thing. That's why he's liking it to building a house. He figures you can understand that if you don't build something, that, you know, the the taller the building, the deeper you got to go. Amen. You know, you've got to put a, a, a more of a foundation in a taller building than you would a, a one that's not going to be built so high. And I think that's true in our relationship with the Lord. Amen. If you want to be rooted and go down deep, then you're going to have to build more of a foundation Amen. to make it firm. Hallelujah. Amen. It says in Ephesians 2.20 says, You were built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself, the chief cornerstone. The Lord tells us that once the seed is sown, if we don't understand it, then Satan will come immediately, he says, to steal it away. And that's why he gave me this parable, I believe. He wants you to understand the importance of his word and the power in them. He wants you to know that his words are your weapon. His word is your armor tank, it's your bomb, and it's your gun. A lot of people may not recognize this, but your mouth, but we all carry around with us every day, all the time. We carry around with us a loaded gun because that's what our mouths are. They're loaded guns. And we just, uh, some people just shoot them off anywhere, anytime. Amen. And most of the time we're shooting them off too much. Even if it's not bad, sometimes we talk. You know, the Bible says to be quick to hear and slow to speak. But most of the time, it's the other way around. We, we are quick to speak and slow to hear. We don't, a lot of times, we just jump to conclusions. I, I said one time that a lot of people get their exercise that way. You know, jumping to conclusions. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Another thing God impressed upon me, saints, is that we have to learn how to filter between what we think and what we say. The analogy that he gave me, he says, think of it like a coffee filter. He said, you, you get your coffee without the coffee grounds. It doesn't taste too good if it's full of coffee grounds. In other words, it, he says to filter it like the coffee would. When you make the coffee, I don't know, most people don't use Perkin pots anymore. Uh, even... Uh, even if they use the type that you uh, use a, um, a regular coffee pot, there's not too many people that use the type that you put on the stove anymore or even an electric coffee pot to where you have to be concerned about the um, grounds getting into the coffee. But I can remember as a child when my mom made coffee that way and it wasn't anything unusual to have a lot of grounds on the bottom of the coffee. <laughs> By the time you get down to the last bit, there was a lot of grounds, and it's not too good. So he likened that. He said to filter the words. In other words, he's saying to think about what you say. Don't just go and spit things out, but give it some thought before you filter. My point is this. Filter the words coming out of your mouth. You know, don't be sowing seeds. 
that you don't want to reap a harvest from because you will get what you sow. Okay, so this is the purpose of filtering the words is because a lot of people, like I said, they have that loaded gun and they're firing it all the time. They're shooting it here and shooting it there and everywhere, not realizing that as, as, as it's going out that you're sowing seed and that you're going, those seeds, you're going to harvest those seeds. And, and most of the time it's seeds that you don't want to harvest. These, these things happen to you and people, I see people that talk that way and hear people talk that way and then they can't figure out why things are happening to me, happening to them that happens to them. But all they're doing is attracting it because if you talk about poverty, then you attract poverty to you. It'll chase you down. If you talk about sickness, you'll attract it to yourself. You know, it'll chase you down. So they don't, under, and all these things that they talk about and the fears of the world, he says, the worries and anxieties of the world, he says, he said that it destroys my word because they're, they're more focused on what they're hearing on the news or on the TV or the radio than what they're hearing, than what the word says. So it gets destroyed. Are you hearing me? He says in Galatians 6, 7, NIV, he said, don't be fooled. You can't outsmart God. He said, a man gathers a crop from what he plants. In some translations, it says, you will reap what you sow. In verse 8, it says, some people plant to please their desires controlled by sin. From these desires, he says, they will harvest death. Others plant to please the Holy Spirit. From the Spirit, they will harvest eternal life. And if you aren't careful, saints, with your words, you're going to get something that's not good for you. Ask yourself, does it matter what I say? Yes, it's a matter of life and death, saints. Proverbs 18, 21 tells us that the power of life and death is in our tongue and we will eat the fruit thereof, be it good or be it bad. John 6, 63 says that my words, they are spirit and they are life. So really... We have a choice. We, you know, he says our words, they're, they're life and they're death. So we can choose to speak life or we can choose to speak death. And like I said, God has told you, he said, my words, they are spirit and they're alive. So if we're speaking God's word, then we're speaking spirit and we're, you know, we're speaking life and we're going to get life. It's a matter of being healthy or being sick. It's a matter of living in abundance or doing without or living on barely get along street. Saints, don't just read God's word to fill your quota for today. You know, I, I also have heard, heard people say, well, I, read, I try to read so many chapters a day or so many verses a day. Well, that's good. You know, you read, all, read all you want to, you know, whether it's one or two. If you, but if you only read one verse today, and you really meditated on that verse, you know, you took that verse to work with you all day and you meditated on that verse all day today, then you'll get a lot more out of that verse than if you read, read the whole chapter and don't remember a word you read, that you just read it and said, well, I read my chapter for today. Amen. That's what he said, you know, so you don't want, you don't want to, uh, to do that. But meditate, meditate on the word. Remember that when you're speaking his word, he understands you for you're speaking his language. So when you speak, when you, when you know what the Word of God says, then you can speak His language and He can understand you. Use your mouth to bless yourself and to bless others with. Consider the cost 
of every word that you speak. Consider the cost. In closing, I'd like to pray a blessing over all of you. Father, I speak a blessing over this congregation and over all the others that have an ear to hear. Let him hear what the Lord is saying. Father, I pray an anointing over every mouth in here. And I pray a desire to fill their mouths with your word only. I do pray today that the Lord will do, treat you like he did in Jeremiah. Then the Lord reached out his hands and he touched Jeremiah's mouth and he said, I put my words in your mouth. I pray that a verse a lot. You know, I, I say, Lord, I pray today that, that, you will put a, uh, that you will anoint my lips and put your words in my mouth and stand guard over them, Lord. Lord, just put a zipper on my mouth. You know, and David, you know, he prayed that prayer all the time. You know, he said the Lord would put a bridle on his tongue and a guard on his mouth at all times, lest he should sin against, uh, sin against him. Remember, God's word does not return void, and he watches over his word to perform it. According to Isaiah 55, 11, he said he sends, he can send you, when you're speaking, just think of it this way. Don't think of it just like you're reading it in the Bible, but you're actually, you're actually doing it. This is what you're really doing when you speak God's word, and you can say this, you know, like when I pray, I say, Lord, I thank you this morning that as I pray and as I speak your word today, that your word is going to go forth and it's going to accomplish what you send it out to do and it's going to, it's going to go where you send it, it's going to prosper the thing for which to you send it, and it's not going to return unto your void. And Lord, I thank you that you're active and alert to perform this word today. And that your angels, you have your angels, the mighty ones, standing by to hearken to this word and to hasten it to bring it about. And if that's not enough, he said, Jesus is the high priest over my confession. So a lot of people says, well, I, I heard somebody say, um, I think it was some uh, pastor uh, just going through the, um, on my computer, I was, I was looking for a particular thing and I stopped on this particular pastor. And I won't mention his name. I'm not sure if I can remember his name. He was making fun of faith preachers and making fun of people that say you can have what you say and that you have to have an imagination and you've got to be able to see it. But there are, I, only, I teach some, a lot of these things and that's what the Bible says. The Bible says you call those things that are not as though they are. He, he quickened the dead. Yeah. And he said that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, excuse me, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says, he'll have whatsoever he says. So it's more than just saying it. You've got to believe it because a lot of people are saying it. Yeah. But you, saying it and believing works together. You've got to believe it in your heart. You got to believe that what you say is going to come to pass. Just like when you pray and talk to the Lord and ask Him for something, you pray and you ask Him for it, and, and you thank Him for it, and then you don't have to go ask Him again. You just every time it crosses your mind thereafter, you just thank Him. You're still praying, but you're not asking. You're thanking, and you don't ever want to go to God begging and pleading. You're not a slave. The Bible says you're no longer slaves. But Jesus says, I call you friend. And so you don't have to go around begging, you know, and, and pleading. We need to be careful that you don't find yourself speaking the wrong things over yourself and your family. You need to keep in mind that God's word is alive 
and that is endued with inherent power according to Hebrews 4.12. He says that his word is, is uh, alive and that it will cut through bone and marrow even to the divide in the spirit and soul. And how you feel or what you think does not change the word and it does not change the power of God. A lot of, so many Christians um, base their faith on what their feelings are or their emotions. But the Bible tells us that you can't trust your, your feelings, your heart. He says, actually, he says your heart. He said, because it'll lie to you. So we can't trust our feelings. We have to understand. I think we have the, down here in the Trinity Faith Center Church, a spirit, soul, and body. You know, so you can't, you can't trust your body, your, your flesh. That's where your heart is. Yeah, well, it's in your soul. But you can't trust that. The only thing that you can trust is your spirit, the spirit man. Are you hearing me? So I pray today that the next time that you hear of a foundation or the three little pigs or whoever, that it'll bring back to remembrance this, this message that I taught today. And Father, again, I just thank you so much. I thank you for this word. I thank you, Lord, for the anointing to teach the word, Lord. I thank you for placing the word into my spirit. I thank you for those that came to hear the word today. I decree and declare, Lord, you said we shall decree and declare a thing, and you would establish it, and that your light would shine upon it. So, Lord, today I decree and declare that the words that were spoken in this church today was received in the, in the way that you wanted them to be received. And I thank you, Lord God, that they had a true understanding of this word. And so, therefore, I declare that Satan cannot come and steal this word. I thank you, Lord, that you said that the enemy comes immediately to steal away the word if they don't understand it. Well, that's an if, Lord. But today they do understand. So therefore, I declare today that Satan cannot steal this word. For it's in Jesus' name I pray.